I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Praying Mom. Simply text MOMS to 71326 to help today. That's M-O-M-S or visit give.crew.org forward slash moms. Again, that's give.cru.org forward slash moms. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. How do we teach our children to find their worth in who God says they are rather than in what they can do. When my boys were little, we spent a lot of time taking fiddle lessons. We homeschooled until they were in the third and fifth grade, so we had a lot of flexibility. We took one entire day a week on the road for something like four hours round trip, just so we could take lessons from a musician that we really respected and who happened to be outstanding with children. His name is Adam DeGraff, if you want to look him up. For all those 90s girls out there listening, he has a rendition of Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses on YouTube that is just phenomenal. I think that Ashton Kutcher commented on it. So just go check it out. Believe me, it's fantastic. That's who we got to take fiddle lessons from. Anyways, we started fiddle lessons with Adam when my oldest was four. And then a few years later, when my youngest was five, he started taking lessons. And as it turned out, both of them had some musical ability. Over the years of their early childhood, they performed at fundraising banquets for our local pregnancy resource center. They performed at churches and fiddle competitions like the one at Galax, Virginia. If there's any Southwest Virginia girls listening, you'll know what I'm referring to. My oldest even won the youth competition one year with his arrangement of Boiling Cabbage Down. And yes, that is the actual right title of that song. Actually, depending on where you are in the state of Virginia or really anywhere in Appalachia, you might even hear it called Boiling Cabbage Down. So you never know. But he won. So they were actually decent little fiddlers, right? I had so many people tell me that I should start a full-on YouTube channel for our boys. They were super cute little fiddlers and pretty decent at it. And this all happened when YouTube was just exploding. 
everyone was putting everything on YouTube and well-intentioned friends thought it would be fun to watch our boys get famous for their talent. My dad even wanted me to do it, but deep in my heart, I knew the answer had to be no. I look back on that time and still question it sometimes. Maybe I could have made my sons into YouTube superstars. I don't know. I don't even know if they're really good enough. But in my heart, I knew that wasn't the kind of life I wanted for them because I wanted them to find their worth in God, in their family, in their church community, in their community, not in what they could do. I mean, sure, God gave them the talent they had, and I do believe that talent should be shared. We did do that. I was never opposed to them using it for His glory, but I didn't want to give them an experience so young that shaped them that profoundly. I didn't know then what YouTube would become, and we didn't have very many real-life examples of how stardom affected young children then. I mean, honestly, I don't even really know that they were good enough to have gotten any kind of following at all. I really just had a feeling in my gut that it wasn't the right thing to do, and I'm glad we didn't do it. It's way too easy for our children or even for us to feel that our worth comes from what we can do and not from who we are in Christ. If you listened to my interview with Caitlin Skaggs last week, she shared this aha moment that I thought was really important. And I've been thinking about it a lot since then. She had this realization that she gets to be exactly who God says she is, not who the world wants her to be. Can we say that again? We get, our children get, you listening right now, get to be exactly who God says you are, not who the world wants you to be. And I think that's what I was fighting against. Maybe without realizing it exactly, I didn't want to let the world into my home or into my children's hearts just yet. I wanted God to tell them who to be, aided by us as their parents, of course, not the roller coaster that comes with trying to be what other people wanted them to be. They were going to get enough of that when they got to a little bit older in life with friends telling them who they should be and who they shouldn't be and what they should like and what they shouldn't like. I didn't want that to come from strangers. Of course, the fight to find our identity in Christ isn't just found on YouTube. For our children, it can be about sports, friendships, academic success, popularity, clothing, hairstyles, really, I mean, you name it, it could be anything. When I was growing up, and honestly, even well into my adulthood, I found most of my self-worth in making good grades and appearing to be smart to those around me. Now, I'm not saying I actually was smart. I just wanted to appear smart to those around me. And I really thought that if I worked hard enough at it, I could accomplish anything that I set my mind to. Then isn't that just what the world tells our children? How many of you like show of hands right now? How many of you have actually said that to your children? If you've been around a while, you know my story. I was able to accomplish most of my goals in life until I gave birth to my two sons. The struggle I had with them opened my eyes to how much value I had mistakenly placed on my own ability to be strong and to be capable. I didn't really want to need the Lord. I loved the Lord. I knew I needed him for salvation, but I didn't really want to have to be so weak that I would need him on the daily. But at some point early on in my parenting, I realized I didn't have any choice about that. And I'm so glad now that the Lord allowed me to go through the process of learning to find my identity, my worth, and my value in him instead of what I could produce. 
According to Psychology Today, identity encompasses the memories, experiences, relationships, and values that create one's sense of self. This amalgamation creates a steady sense of who one is over time, even as new faucets are developed and incorporated into one's identity. Identity includes the many relationships people cultivate, such as their identity as a child, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, or a parent. It involves external characteristics as well over which a person would maybe have no control, such as their height and their race or their socioeconomic class. Identity also encompasses political opinions, moral attitudes, and religious beliefs, all of which guide the choices we make on a daily basis. Who one is. I can't tell you how many times I've said to one or both of my sons, this doesn't get to define you. They don't get to define you. When my oldest son broke his elbow last fall and we didn't know if he would ever get to play baseball again, our pastor actually came to the house and took him by the shoulders, looked into his eyes and said, if this has to define you, if this moment has to define your path one way or the other, you still get to choose how. You can either let it take you away from God or choose to let it move you toward him. Choose to move toward him. Identity. Who one is. The events that shape what we believe about ourselves. As believers, and really just as parents who are trying to raise our children to know and love Jesus, we want our children's identities to be shaped by what God says about them and nothing else. In fact, we want what God says about them and about himself to help them stand strong when the events of their lives try to convince them of something else. Because friend, if the storms have not hit your family, if they have not hit your child just yet, they will. But how do we do that? Let's look at a couple of verses that I think can help define this for us a little bit. First of all, let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. In Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 6, we find Moses and the Israelites right after they've received the Ten Commandments for the first time. And at the end of chapter 5, verse 33, the actual last verse in the chapter, the Lord tells his people to follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live, prosper, and have a long life in the land you will possess. Then moving into chapter six, he tells his people how to pass this information along to the next generation. He says in verses six through nine, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Now, I'll just confess to you guys right now that I have not always done the right thing as a parent. I have not always made the right decisions for my kids. I have sinned against them, and I will do it again. This side of heaven, I'm going to be an imperfect parent. I've tried to have regular time in the word with them imperfectly. I've tried to lead them toward the same values my husband and I share imperfectly. I've prayed for them often, but imperfectly. There hasn't been even one thing about my parenting that's been perfect, but I have tried very hard to let this passage theme my motherhood. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Child's Identity in Christ. Identity. Man, that's a loaded word nowadays, isn't it? Identity was a struggle when we were children, especially in middle and high school, but now our kids not only navigate those challenges, but music, social media, shows, friends, and 
sometimes even teachers telling them that their identity is fluid and ever-changing. However, we know this view is not true or helpful. Recent news is warning the family that depression, anxiety, and unhappiness rates among our children have more than doubled. Guys, that's scary. Obviously, the message our children are receiving from the sources that are bombarding them with incorrect information aren't leading to a strong sense of self and identity. So what can we do to help our kids form a healthy identity? Well, we need to point them to God, the one unchanging constant in their lives. In praying God's word for your child's identity in Christ by Tara Cole, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts, to have a solid view of the character of God, believe they are his masterpiece, understand their true worth and value, help them have confidence in God's plan for them, find peace in belonging to God, know they were chosen by God to bring glory to him, and so much more. With biblical teaching on identity and self-worth, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Child's Identity in Christ now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. I am constantly trying my very best to help them see their world through the lens of scripture. When something great happens, we talk about what God is teaching them. When something bad happens, we talk about what God is teaching them. When they encounter struggles, we try to teach them what God's word has to say about it. When they fail, we try to apply the scriptures to their failure. When they're trying to make a decision, we look to see if God's word speaks to it. And always woven throughout everything we do as a family is the concept that my husband and I care a whole lot more about who they are than what they do. And when I say who they are, I mean who they are in Christ and how they learn to represent him in their day-to-day lives. We may not sit down together every single night to open the scriptures, although we do try to do that as often as possible. For us, it happens more in the morning than it does at night, but we do our very best to apply the scriptures to our lives imperfectly. I've also made it a habit to hang scripture verses or passages around our home. There's a passage hanging in our bathroom from Psalm 133.1 that says, How wonderful when brothers live together in harmony. Subtle message from mom, from God, you better believe it. We have the Lord's Prayer in the kitchen. We have Psalm 23 in our bedroom. We have James 1, 2 through 3 in my office. Proverbs 24, 3 in the family room. And each of my boys has scripture pieces in their bedrooms as well. It's everywhere in my home. And it's not that I think the boys will learn through osmosis or anything. It's just that I want to fulfill verse 9 of this passage and write God's word, the truths that I want to comfort and lead my children on the doorposts of my home. Subtle hint, if you want the Brothers Passage print for your home or Psalm 23 or James 1, 2 through 3 or the others, you can find links to them in today's show notes. In his book, Everyday Talk, Jay Younce says, your everyday talk teaches your functional understanding of the gospel to your children. Does your everyday talk center upon grace or on performance? Now, my children love sports. I've talked about that a lot over the years. They love sports a lot. So I'm not going to say we don't ever talk about performance here in our home, but I hope that we've done a good job of trying to balance that with lots of grace. We also have high expectations for our kids academically, but sometimes 
our children's best isn't an A. And because of my own experience with grades, I've tried to be balanced there too. Although I will tell you that it's always easier to have a philosophy than it is a practice. I can't overemphasize this concept of creating a biblical worldview for our kids in the daily conversations we have with them. And I promise you, just sending your kids to Sunday school and to church is not going to be enough. Even doing this actively, like making it a part of your everyday lives, may at times feel like it's not enough. And it just takes time. Most of us do not give birth to babies who fully understand their identity in Christ. Guys, I just turned 45 and I'm still learning. So we have to give our kids and ourselves the grace to grow. Another passage I've loved over the years that communicates how known we are by God and also is one of the passages inside of our prayer guide for this month is Matthew 10, 29 through 11. It says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. My boys have always been physical touch kind of guys. You know, the five love languages, physical touch is their thing. Back scratches have gotten me through all kinds of hard conversations over the years. Let me just tell you, as have head massages. The idea that the God who created them knows the number of hairs they have on their heads is astounding to me. And I've tried to remind them of this truth every time I can. So I've made it my habit over the years to try to be a student of my sons. I want to know them really well so that I can know how to speak to them about who they are in Christ and how God loves them and what his plans are for them using language that speaks to their hearts. And to do that, I have to know them. And I know that isn't always easy. It's not an easy task, especially as they grow up and mature, but it can be done. So if you're struggling in that area, pray and ask God to show you what you need to know. He is the God who can make the hidden things known. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and maybe feel just a little bit more equipped to help your children learn to find their worth in God instead of their accomplishments. I highly recommend grabbing a copy of this month's prayer guide that complements the theme of this month's podcast, Praying God's Word for Your Child's Identity in Christ, so you can be praying the scriptures along with us as we continue in this series. With biblical teaching on identity and self-worth, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. You can find it along with links to everything we mentioned today in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you give you peace. I talk to so many moms who say, Brooke, I want to pray for my kids. I just don't know how to start. That's exactly why I wrote my digital resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children. It's your how-to guide, giving you a very short, simple, step-by-step process for how I first started praying God's Word. Download it right away, and I'm not joking, you'll be praying God's Word by this afternoon. All you need is a Bible, a notebook, and a pencil, or your phone, if you prefer, somewhere to create a short list. You can find that freebie in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Hey friends, Nicole Eunice here from the How to Study the Bible podcast. I want to invite you to experience a fresh look at the story of Joseph and what it means for you today. 
life can totally throw us for a loop, whether it's your family or your marriage, work, church, or something else entirely. Maybe you have found yourself in a season that you never would have expected and that you certainly wouldn't have signed up for. In this six-week Bible study together, we're going to talk about the biblical story of Joseph, a man who lived an unexpected life and trusted God through it all. We'll talk about the blessings he experienced, the promises God keeps, the way that tests of our character can actually refine our faith. We'll talk about patience. We'll talk about loss. Absolutely talk about redemption. So come join us for the six-week series over on the How to Study the Bible podcast. Can't wait to dive in with you.